Welcome back to the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Adam Billadou to discuss designing fitness programs and important coaching considerations. Adam is a coach at Vertex Strength and works with a variety of clients on a variety of programming, including Olympic lifting, CrossFit, general conditioning, and running. He also is finishing up his Doctor of Physical Therapy degree and loves to combine the science of rehab and performance with all of the patients and clients he works with. Adam shares his insight on creating individualized training programs, how to stay consistent, and why investing in a coach is so valuable. Whether you're a coach, athlete, or fitness enthusiast, there are lots to take away from this episode. Enjoy my conversation with Adam. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Adam, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Julie. Yeah, super excited to chat with you, uh, talk about you know everything it is that you're doing and about coaching a little bit. And um, so glad we got the opportunity to meet each other down in South Carolina when I came to hang out at Vertex. So many awesome people in that crew, yourself included. Um, and Adam, I would love if we can just kind of start with you telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So um, my name is Adam Billadu. <clears throat> I'm a third year um, PT student at USC, but to kind of get a little bit more of a backstory, uh, I grew up in Bay City, Michigan. So that's in the web space of the hand, if you know the mitten that well. Um, so grew up playing all kinds of sports, uh, primarily soccer, played that year round. Um, and that's kind of what started me down this path is I love the sports and the process of getting better at your sports. So the training that went into it. Um, so I went to central Michigan university, uh, for my undergrad and I started in athletic training because I wanted to be around athletics. Um, I got into the program there and after a year in the program, I realized it's not really what I want to do. Um, cause we, we weren't really involved in the strength and conditioning side of things. Um, we just kind of let the strength coaches take over and then we kind of sat on the sidelines waiting for something to happen. Um, so I switched my major to exercise science. Um, and what's cool about um, Central is there's different branches of exercise science you can take. So I took the health fitness option. Um, so I, I don't know how a lot of programs are out there, but we got to take a periodization class, like training performance class. So we got to learn quite a bit um, going into like your career. Um, so from there, I got to do an internship. I had a friend who was um, Josh's client. So Josh Jeffrey at Vertex uh, PT specialist. Um, I had a friend who was um, his client. So I, she told me like, you should reach out to Josh. Like he's doing this really cool thing here with individualized programming and working with CrossFit athletes and that kind of thing. So I reached out, got an internship there um, as part of that internship. Um, got to see how they do PT and like, I've had PT done on me for, injuries like throughout high school and stuff and really that was just like therabands colored dumbbells and so I was when I went to Vertex like my first day observing with Brandon there um, we had like an 80 year old doing deadlifts from the floor and I was like this is crazy this is awesome and that's kind of what changed my career path um, so I went back to school because um, I was already signed up to do a master's program um, as a graduate assistant so I got to have my prereqs paid for um, while doing that. So I was teaching cadaver anatomy and then a training performance lab. Um, and then I was also CrossFit coaching and personal training. Um, so it was a very busy year, but 
luckily I got into PT school that next year. And then I started PT school um, and I just finished my acute care rotation. Um, and currently I'm a strength coach at Vertex and the leader of the run club there. And then, yep, starting third year um, just a few days ago. That's awesome. Adam, I love to hear about your journey because like, especially as an exercise science student myself in undergrad, um, I love that you were able to kind of find that niche of that training performance is what you enjoyed. And I think that's a huge gap that exists in exercise science curriculums at large. That's cool that your program kind of had that option that you could go either way. Um, But from my program at the University of Scranton, we had a strength and conditioning elective option. So I, of course, took that and it was very basic introduction to the principles. It was enough for me to become interested in it and say, this is what I wanted to do, but it really just scratched the surface. And then I sought out an internship and kind of dove deeper down the rabbit hole um, on a personal level. And I mean, Vertex, man, they're just doing things different there. And that's why I went to to spend the week. And um, it's true. It's like, once you see what humans are capable of, and you see that other lens of physical therapy, combining training and performance with PT, like that's where the magic happens, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think, I think the university's job as like an undergrad course is just to get you on the surface level of everything. And then it's your job to kind of dig out avenues for you to explore. Um, Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. You got to just take initiative and, you know, pursue your passions. And so Adam, I'd love to talk a little bit from, uh, you know, the coaching lens and the different types of coaching that you do. I've seen some of the clients that you work with and um, super cool that you're involved with kind of these different facets of performance. So I'd love if you can just kind of discuss um, like what is the population that you work with and what kind of coaching do you do? Yeah. So um, I work with honestly a variety of people. Um, I primarily work in person and that's kind of what I prefer um, because I enjoy having that daily interaction with my clients. I feel that's the best way to create investment as well in, in clients. Um, And then Primarily the population I work with, it's more of your active adult, CrossFitters, Olympic lifters, um, runners, high school athletes. Um, So that's kind of the population I work with right now. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's a wide range and super cool that you're able to like expand your horizons. I think that'll be super helpful for you as a physical therapist too, is like, you know, the runners, you know, the CrossFitters and, um, I mean, do you think that it's, do you find it to be challenging that you work with such a diverse group of people or do you have like certain kind of systems that apply to everybody that you work with? Um, I would say a little bit of both um, because everybody is different in their needs and goals. Um, But I think it's, I don't think it's too difficult because it's, it's not the same thing over and over and over again. Like I have particularly like functional bodybuilding clients, um, general conditioning, and then like strictly Olympic lifting. So all those programs look so different. Um, like Olympic lifting is just simple progressions each week. Um, and then based on how their Olympic lift looks, adding in like snatch balances or snatch push press, if they have a poor lockout, for example, or something like that. But then like functional bodybuilding, you're just getting super creative on how you can give somebody like a sick pump. Um, and then like, programming for CrossFit, like you get to get really creative with like your progressions each week. Like usually what I do is like eight week cycles 
and then writing like basic like mixed modal pieces that are a test in the first week and then retesting them at the end of the eight weeks. But throughout those eight weeks, I'm given different variations of those movements or different rep streams, heavier, lighter, that kind of thing, and see how they progress throughout that cycle and see if it worked, it didn't work, um, that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, I guess that's a good point is like even for coaches who are in a specific niche, like let's say you only work with Olympic lifters, even within that population, you're going to get a lot of variety in skill set and in the needs of your client. And um, that's true. Working with so many different people, it keeps it fresh, right? Yeah. And so do you have, like, just out of curiosity, is there like a favorite type of athlete or type of programming that you enjoy? Um, I, I don't really think so. I, I honestly, um, I enjoy it all. Um, I, I just enjoy having that different variety because like all my clients will come in in the morning and like, I'll be coaching strictly Olympic lifting, uh, with my Olympic lifters and then my high school athletes, actually probably like my high school athletes. Those are fun because you can get really creative with the plyometrics and you're working more sports specific like tasks. Um, like I had a soccer player who I would bring in like a soccer ball and do ball drills with her, um, for like agility type training. Um, so that was fun. Cause like I grew up playing soccer and I got to do that again. Um, and right now I have a softball girl and we're doing different types of weighted ball throws. We're, um, all these kinds of plyometrics, upper body, lower body, all these medicine ball toss that simulate like swinging a baseball bat and working on that hip drive. So it's, it's fun getting specific with it. Um, but it's still having fun with it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's true. Working with that high school population is fun. Cause I mean, I don't know how old you are. I'm 25, but like, it wasn't yeah. that long ago. We were in those shoes too. And being able to relate to them. And, um, when I was in high school, I needed physical therapy. I never had a big injury or anything, but I love taking the approach right now of like, what do I wish I had back in those days? Like what kind of coach or physical therapist would I have totally thrived with and just trying to be that person for the athletes. And, uh, that age group is fun too. Cause like they're super sensitive and moldable in a sense, right? Like, Oh yeah. I'm sure you've seen, you might get it a athlete that you're working with that kind of goes all baby deer on you when you're trying to do certain exercises. And within mm-hmm. a few weeks, like their nervous system just gets it. And uh, it's super cool to see that progression. Yeah, I, I, I agree totally. And, and too, I see that with like even older adults, like people who have never been in a gym before, um, they're totally green, but like in a few weeks, like forms cleaned up, they look good. And it's the same kind of principle. They're just learning those motor patterns over and over and over again. Yeah, that's definitely the most fun and something that I'm looking forward to myself. Um, so Adam talking more specifically kind of about your process as a coach, I'd love to just discuss like your process when you're going through programming and starting with, the needs analysis, like yeah. what kinds of questions are you asking or what kinds of things are you prioritizing when you are understanding what your client needs from you? Yeah. So it, it all begins with my, that a first initial assessment um, when I meet a client um, and I ask them what's their, what's their big picture goal, like end goal. So that way we can kind of, I kind of funnel it down um, in my subjective. So I begin with subjective, then it'll go objective. And then I do a few tests um, at the end, Um, but I'll kind of get into that. So I asked them what big picture goal is. And so whether that's like, I want to start doing CrossFit, I want to learn the movements in CrossFit, or I want to hit these numbers at my Olympic lifting meet or something like that. So I'm like, okay. So then 
I take their short-term training and their long-term training. So I ask them where they were like eight to 12 weeks ago, um, if they were trained, if they were even training, um, and then what their training background is like, have they had a coach before? Um, so that way I can kind of get an idea of how well they move and it kind of helps me set up an objective. So I have a standard objective I do, but as I'm doing a subjective, I add things in my head that I'm like, oh, I'm going to test with this with them because they're an Olympic lifter or they haven't really done any movement before. So I need to test this, this, and this. Um, so then I ask them about injuries. So that way it gives me an idea. Like, let's say they have this nagging shoulder injury. I'm like, okay, we got to start hammering that shoulder and I want that gone. Um, so that kind of thing, or if they had like a significant injury in the past, like broken leg or something, um, I'm trying to get an idea of where they've been and who they are now and where they want to go. Um, so, yeah. Nice. That's awesome. And I love that you start with kind of asking the client, like, what is it that you're after? You know, what is your big goal? What is it that you want? But then I'm sure you have to kind of facilitate that um, thought process of how do we break that down into smaller parts, you know, and I've spoken with a few nutrition coaches and this is kind of the same approach that they take is most people have some kind of like very specific body composition goal. I want to lose 20 pounds or I want to be this body fat. And most people don't even really understand like what that looks like. Um, but it's the fact is like, they just want to feel better or look better and being able to kind of break that down. So when you're, you're working with a client, let's say they have some kind of like performance goal in mind. Um, Mm -hmm. if they're a CrossFitter or Olympic lifter, how are you going about breaking that down into pieces? Like, are you kind of like crunching numbers? Are you going more based on like self-efficacy and how they feel? Like, how are you doing that? Yeah. So I I think it's a little bit of both. Um, so let's use the snatch, for example. Um, we'll have an Olympic lifter that wants to get better at snatching or wants to increase their total. So I think there's a little bit of self-efficacy involved, um, because, um, talking about form in the beginning. Um, so that's, that's what I use in the beginning with, um, a lot of clients is looking at their form, um, to kind of create buy-in. So I'm saying, okay, this could be cleaned up a little bit. And usually that will help, um, increase numbers just on its own. Um, so then, yeah, I got you there. And then for, so let's take like that snatch, for example, you're saying that you're going to be focusing on form in the beginning, which like makes a lot of sense. And that kind of goes into that assessment piece as well. When you're doing like a movement assessment with a client, are you looking at like specific types of movements that they want to improve? Or are you kind of taking them through just like a general movement screen to see if there's any type of, um, I don't know, movement impairments, let's say like that they might, that they might experience. Yeah. So I start everybody off with the SFMA. Um, and that gives me a good idea on how to break out things. So looking at the neck all the way down. Um, so I'll, I think the big thing in people is like T-spine shoulders. Um, so doing the SFMA, I get a good idea of where they're at right now. And that gives me a good idea of what I'm going to break out. Um, just kind of how like the SFMA goes, but I kind of do my own thing. So for example, I'll break out T-spine usually and look at extension and T-spine rotation, both actively and passively. Um, cause I think that plays a big role in Olympic lifting and overhead lifting. And then I'll always check out the shoulders in people. Cause 
Um, a lot of people tend to have like shoulder stiffness, tightness, have trouble getting into that overhead position. And one, when I'm doing all this and I'm doing like shoulder internal rotation, external rotation, passively, actively, I'm kind of explaining to the patient to help create buy-in that, okay, like we're looking at your internal rotation right now. And we'd like to see like 80 degrees because that's going to help with you keeping the bar close during the snatch, for example. Um, so doing that kind of thing and then explaining like, um, cause I'll look at hip internal rotation, external rotation, and I'll talk about why internal rotation is important to get into that full depth squat. And then talking about shin angle, um, like putting your fist to the wall and seeing if your knee can touch it, keeping the foot flat, um, talking about the importance of the knee driving over the toe, um, to create, um, a good squat in the bottom. So I'm, I'm doing this assessment, but at the same time, I'm trying to create buy-in and explain the importance of hitting these mobility, um, type movements. Yeah, that's huge. I love that you take the time to work through that with the client, the patient, whatever you want to call it. And it really shows like, I feel like we take for granted being able to combine our knowledge as a physical therapist and a coach. And I know, you know, you're still a student, but at this point you've, you have a lot of the knowledge that we need. And um, it's so important because the fact that you're able to, you know, not just ask about injuries, but take into account, like how the person looks in front of you. And I think one of the limitations of virtual training, I mean, I think virtual training is awesome and it's great that coaches are so accessible nowadays, but being able to do even just like one in-person or one movement assessment type of session, I think is huge because you can kind of tease out some of those things. And um, especially the example you gave about the overhead lift and the T-spine, like that's something that unfortunately I feel like not a lot of coaches know about. And from a personal standpoint, um, that's a limitation that I'm dealing with right now. Like when I'm doing my push presses, I'm getting a little bit of shoulder pain and it's not coming from my shoulder. I know it's my T-spine and, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to prescribe those drills is huge. So when you have somebody, let's say, let's use that T-spine example, are you prescribing thoracic spine, you know, mobility drills within the session? Are you giving the client things to do daily on their own? Like, what does that tend to look like for you? Yeah. So I actually have a good example of that. I have a just general CrossFitter athlete that I started with um, that had trouble accessing that overhead position in the snatch. And so broke out that T-spine. And when we did extension, it was primarily flat. And then she really was lacking rotation to the right side where she was having shoulder pain as well. Um, so I cracked her. Um, I did some posterior mobs on her shoulder and instantly um, she got into that overhead position, like nothing, but so I like to put in a little bit of manual work too with patients to get that quick fix. But then at the same time, I start all my, um, patients with specific mobility each day. So whether that's for the workout in general of that day or what they're lacking, um, in, in, um, like accessing range, so like for her example, I give her T-spine extensions over slam ball, um, half kneeling banded T-spine rotations, and then a little bit of more of that dynamic type work with dropping a weighted med ball into internal rotation um, just to get that prime for the snatch. And I found a lot of success with that. And now she doesn't really have any issues going overhead in that snatch position. 
Nice. Yeah, such a great example. And it reminds me of a phrase that um, I've learned from the Institute of Clinical Excellence and Jeff Moore and all those people, but it's this concept of and not or. And especially from this PT plus performance lens, being able to combine all of the different arts that we use as coaches and as rehab professionals that like manual therapy is so useful and so effective in that short-term perspective, but you need to go and reinforce it with the movement patterns and with the exercise. And I mean, the fact that your clients are so you know lucky to have you and work with you that you understand that concept. Cause um, you know, I think there's a lot of PTs out there who are dialed in with the manual therapy part and they do the mobs and they see that quick fix, but then the client or patient comes in next time and they're right back to square one. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so important for so many different situations, you know, not just like upper body stuff, but the whole body. And Adam, it seems like, I mean, you just have such a, like a vast range of knowledge in all of these different things. Like besides just your formal education, what kinds of things are you doing to learn about all these different, you know, coaching principles and how to program these things? Like, where does this all come from? So a lot of it uh, came from my internship. Um, with Josh, um, cause I got to work with him 40 hours a week for I think 12 weeks. Um, so just being in and out with him all day, um, going into the gym coaching and then going back and programming. Um, so being in that atmosphere all day really helped set me up for where I am today, but now more of what kind of what I'm doing now is just watching YouTube videos, <laughs> um, to be honest, um, listening to podcasts. Um, and then even my own education, being in PT school, taking what I learned from PT school and trying to apply it, um, in the gym or with my clients. Um, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Nice. Yeah. Just continuing to ask questions and be curious. It's like, everybody says it, but it's so true that as soon as you start to learn a little bit about something, you realize how much more there is to learn. Oh yeah. You Mm -hmm. know? So that's awesome. I mean, I can only imagine how much you soaked up from working with Josh for that amount of time. Um, But that's great that you're kind of taking it upon yourself to continue to dive deeper. And it's, it's really comes down to though, like doing the thing, like so many of us, especially in PT school, I mean, everything is textbook, right? So it's like, we can get A's on all of our tests and we can read everything and watching YouTube videos is great because you get that visual. But at the end of the day, like if you're not doing the thing, if you're not using Mm -hmm. the skills and doing the critical thinking, um, it's not going to get you super far. Right. So that's, that's awesome advice. Yeah. And I think, I think it helps too, that like I'm able to coach right now. Um, So taking like when we were in ortho and manual um, when we're very ortho heavy, I was able to take what I was learning that day and then go and do it with my clients. I was able to go practice my skills because a lot of my clients, they're like, oh yeah, you can work on me. Um, so going to practice those skills over and over and over again, um, I think definitely has helped me a ton. Yeah, that's true. And just, that's a good point too, is like not being afraid to like practice. Like a lot of these things aren't going to stick day one. So um, finding people that you can work with and just watching people move. I mean, That's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to, you know, PT students and stuff is like, you just got to get out there and do it. And from a personal Mm -hmm. standpoint, I was able to work in um, the strain and conditioning facilities at my university and, you know, division three level, we had the basic equipment, we have what we needed. And 
um, we got to write the programs and it was nothing super scientific. Like a lot of us would sit there and be like, damn, like, do we really know what we're doing? But at the end of the day, the skills that we obtained from just being in there and giving mm-hmm. cues and figuring out like what works and what doesn't. And like, oh my God, I just told this person to do like five things at once and now they're overwhelmed. And yeah, being able to fail in that relatively safe, low stakes environment, um, I think is totally, totally huge. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. It's just getting in there, trying it out and seeing what works. I think the that's the biggest thing of growing as a coach is just seeing what works and what doesn't work and recognizing when, when you fail and how to change that for the next time. Yeah, definitely. And going out and seeking good mentors, you know, like yeah. you mentioned um, a friend, you know, hooked you up with Josh, which is awesome. But I'm sure like, as soon as you got to meet him and talk to him, like you were able to to vibe with Josh and you were like, I want to learn from this guy. And I really believe that all of us have people out there who are, have gone through what you're going through or have the experience that you want to get. And um, just not being afraid to put yourself out there, you know, especially like yeah. with social media now, it's so easy. I mean, that's how I connected with Amy and ended up at Vertex for a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, like, she's my closest mentor now and it all happened virtually. So for anybody listening, who's looking to level up their game as a coach, as literally anything, um, there's a lot more people out there who want to help than yeah. who are yeah. going to slam the door in your face, right? Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that because like I just started third year of PT school. I got to meet my mentees, and I'm I was just like, you know, if you have like literally any questions, like just let me know. Like I've been through it. I've been through first year. First year is rough. Like if you have any questions or any you need any tips or anything, like. I'm here to help. Like I want to make the road a little bit easier for, for y'all. If I can. Definitely. And it's, I mean, some of these first year students are probably looking at you being like, Oh my God, he's doing so much and he's so smart. And I don't know if he's going to want to help me, but you're sitting here being like, Hey, anything is fair game. So yeah, love love that Adam. And a couple more things I want to kind of discuss here. I mean, you've worked with so many different clients in so many different walks of life and I'm sure you've seen people achieve a lot of different goals. um, And you've also seen some people potentially fall off a little bit. So I would love to just ask from your experience, like we know that so many people have trouble playing the long game when it comes to fitness, like understanding that change doesn't happen overnight. So how do you kind of approach this with clients and how long does it usually take in your opinion for clients to see change and like really reach where they're trying to get to? So uh, I think it's all about how you set things up. So like how I talked about like that big picture goal in the beginning is kind of funneling it down and creating short-term goals. So that way we're checking off boxes along the way. Um, so like when I first get a client, uh, let's say they want to get a double weight, double body weight back squat, for, for example. Well, our first session, we got to figure out, okay, where are we at? Um, but through that too, um, a lot of it is to see quick changes and to kind of create buy-in is taking, I like to take videos of um, my clients in the beginning. So that way I can see their form and then I can show them their form and, and talk about like, okay, like this knee caves in here. I want you to really think about spreading the floor as you sit down and then keeping that as you ascend up. Um So then taking that video and then in like three to four weeks or even a few sessions, 
comparing the now video to their old video and seeing how much their form has improved. So that's, that's a PR on its own. And I try to, I try to coach that all those things are small victories and we're on, we're on that way to that big picture right now. Um, you just got to roll with, it's not going to be there right away, but we're taking the right steps to get there, uh, right now. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And you being able to use tools like taking videos or just being able to like visually show a person like, Hey, look how much better you're doing. I think is huge because it's so hard to see change in yourself. Like, especially from a performance standpoint, because like you literally can't see yourself when you're doing things. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you got a mirror, but even then, so, so many people are like embarrassed to take videos or whatever, like, even if you're not going to go and post it on your Instagram story, like having videos of yourself performing whatever task it is that you're learning how to do. Oh my God. It's so cool to be able to look back. And even from a body comp standpoint, um, that's a goal is to, you know, look better and feel better. Like I had a conversation a few weeks back with a nutritionist and we were talking about, um, like what are ways that people can measure progress outside of the scale. And we talked about how you know, if you're looking to lose weight or gain weight, like the scale is important, it's giving you objective data, but there's a lot of other things that you can do. And one of the yeah. pieces of advice that she gave was literally taking videos of yourself walking around. And we kind of laughed a little and she's like, it sounds crazy, but like put on a bathing suit, a sports bra, or just tight fitting clothing and just walk around your house. And you'll see change over time in just those little things. And I found that so interesting. So that's such a good tool. Um, but I'd love to ask you, when you talk about those big goals, have you had situations where clients come to you with some kind of expectation that's potentially unrealistic or a goal that is like really big that you're kind of like, I don't know if this will be achievable for them? Yeah. Um, I have a client who comes to mind. Um, um, I had him a right kind of when I started and he had just like started Olympic lifting maybe like six months. And he's like, you know, I really like to snatch 225 and I like to clean and jerk 315. I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, Very lofty goals. And I, and I'm not going to tell anybody like, Hey, we got to get your goal in check. I'm like, okay, um, let's, let's make a smaller goal for right now. Um, Cause he was snatching like 95 pounds at the time and like 135 pound clean and jerk with um just a lot of work that needed to be done so it's just kind of kind of reeling them in and not shutting their goal down completely because you want them to dream big and go for it but at the same time we got to set up goals for now and i think that's i think that's probably the best way to go about it Yeah, I'm with you there. And that also reminds me, I mean, there are definitely some people out there, I think, when it comes to fitness who love to push themselves. And that's a great thing. Like you love to see those guys or girls in the gym that are just like pushing heavy weight and giving 110%. Um, But there are definitely some times where like form matters, you know, you don't want lifts to look super sloppy. And I feel like this has kind of become one of those um, topics I'll say that is controversial now where like, you've got some people that are totally obsessed with form. And if you have the littlest bit of knee cave, like your knee's going to blow up, but then you've got the other people on the other side of the spectrum that are like, form doesn't matter. You just got to grind out the lift. Like what's kind of your stance on this. I know this is a bit of a broad question, but when you're working with a client and 
form needs to be addressed? Like, when are you going to kind of back off? When are you really going to dial into that? Like, do you have any thoughts on that topic? Yeah. So I'm kind of in the middle of all that because like, if you're going to go heavy, like one rep max type weight, like your form probably isn't going to look like it did at 70%. And that's okay because we are, that means we are pushing the limits and we're getting near that one rep max. So that's okay. But when we're at like 60, 70% load and their major knee cave in or something that's glaringly wrong, like, yeah, I'm going to address it there. And we're not, we're not going to add weight in that session until things like things look good. Um, Cause like, I don't, I know a lot of my clients think like I'm a stickler about like movement and that kind of thing. And I think having those good movement patterns, like at the 70, 80% range, even getting up to 90% range is just going to allow you to move more weight in the long run. Um, so I think addressing form, especially in those um, earlier, earlier loads, and then being okay with when it's one rep max type weight that it's okay to have a little bit of knee cave in or a little bit of backgrounding in the back squat or something. And that's okay. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And we can argue all day long about the relationship between form and injury. And there's all different conflicting research out there. And when it comes to like, I feel like physical performance type of things, research can only go so far too. Like there's a lot of constraints and there's a lot of controls and the real world just isn't like that. Um, But we know that form, having good form can definitely improve performance, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you think from a biomechanical perspective, like overhead lifts or squats, like things are going to be easier. You're going to be able to push more weight when joints are in a certain position. So for that argument alone, I agree with you. Like, and I think it can be hard to address sometimes with a client because people don't like to be told they're doing something wrong, you know? And obviously if a client is seeking a coach, they want improvement. Um, But at the same time, I mean, I've seen it particularly at the college level, especially not to stereotype, but like my college male athletes, you know, the baseball players, like they don't want to hear from me being like, Hey man, take a little weight off that bar. I want to see you squat a little bit deeper. Like, Mm -hmm. so it can be hard to kind of check somebody's ego, but I, I think it's so important when you're thinking about that long game. Yeah. And I think important, it's important too, like when you're giving critique with a, cause some, some clients are like, oh yeah, you can roast me. Like, give me, give me everything. Like I want, I want everything to look good. And then other clients are like hesitant and kind of like, like you were saying with that baseball player is then you kind of got to be more of that like compliment sandwich. Like, Hey, this looks really good, but like, let's try this, this next set. Um, and maybe take off a little bit of weight. Um, so we can really focus on that part. And I think so that way they're not getting all like critique. They're also getting a positive at the same time. Um, so kind of that compliment sandwich I think is important too. Yeah. I love that. Definitely. And also just for anybody who is on a fitness journey, who loves working out and stuff, like knowing that your form doesn't always need to be perfect a hundred percent of the time kind of, I think makes people feel better too. Cause I think that's a big barrier to people working out in the first place is like, I'm scared. I'm going to do it wrong. I'm scared. I'm going to hurt myself. And I mean, of course, nowadays there's so many uh, resources between people online and YouTube videos and stuff, but um, giving people the peace of mind that like, you don't need to look like the person on Instagram who works at, who's been training for 10 years, you know, um, you just kind of need to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree.
Yeah. So I'd love to just ask you too, Adam, when it comes to um, investing in a coach, a lot of people do it and a lot of people seek out a coach and some other people have trouble kind of understanding why it might be valuable. So I'd love to just ask your thoughts on what do you think is the most valuable part about investing in a coach? So I think it goes, I think it kind of goes back to demonstrating our own value and demonstrating that what we are able to offer. Like, I feel like me and you are able to offer a unique set of skills and being able to blend that strength conditioning and rehab and being able to demonstrate this to a client. Um, like you're going to get like at Vertex, like if you become my client, you're going to get a written comprehensive program based on your goals and what I see from you. And so let's say, let's say like people don't like doing the things they're bad at, you know? So I'm going to see the things that could use improvement um, and address them when otherwise a client may not want to do the burpees, the aerobic work, that kind of thing. I'm going to be putting that in there when otherwise, if you were trying to coach yourself, you wouldn't, and you would stick to the things you're good at. And then your strengths get even stronger, but your weaknesses get weaker or if they stay the same. So I think that's a, that's a big selling point too, of being able to say, Hey, I'm going to push you in ways that you might not be able to push yourself. Yeah, that's great. It's all kind of about like accountability and just having somebody to help you believe in yourself. Like even those of us who have been training for a while and those of us who love fitness, like we have doubt creep in sometimes too, you know, and you are a very impressive athlete. I've seen some of your lifts and I'm sure there's probably times right where you're getting under a bar or you're about to pick up a bar and you're like, shit, can I do this? And you've got people in the room hyping you up. And like, that means something that does something to you. Right. Yeah. And and I think I like, I like what you said there too, because um, like at Vertex and CrossFit gyms and like, I guess gyms in general, there's usually some type of community aspect to that. And like, if somebody, cause you know, when somebody's going for like a heavy lift and like everybody kind of like stops what they're doing and they're all watching and they're getting, they're getting hyped, the energy's up. So then not only are you thinking like, Oh, I want to hit this lift, but like, I got to hit this lift for them. Like they're here to cheer me on and that kind of thing. So I like that too. Yeah, definitely. That's actually one of the biggest things that drew me into CrossFit. Um, I joined a gym in Delaware when I was on a rotation there, just got a short-term membership and within the first few weeks of joining, they hosted like a local competition. Um, so the coach had told me that it was going on and I'm like, Hey, can I come and watch? She's like, Oh yeah, we get spectators all the time. Like come through. So I went and the freaking energy in that room. Oh my God. Like it sounds ridiculous when I talk about it. Cause people are like, Oh, like you just love the gym. Like, no, yeah. like it just hits different. And, um, one of the aspects of the competition, one of the events or whatever, um, was max thrusters like for three. And I will just never forget standing in the middle of this gym with all of these people just getting after it. And like, it's not like fake hype either. It's not like people being like, come on, like whatever, like it's real. Like you can feel that energy and just seeing people PR and all that. Like it made me want to jump in and now I have a goal for myself of uh, hopefully getting back into, you know, my CrossFit routine and eventually competing at a local comp. And yeah, it's definitely. amazing. And it's so many of us like to, you know, say like, oh, you just got to be disciplined and, you know, you can work out anywhere. And like, I agree with that, but it's like, 
we know that there are certain things that help us like achieve things, right? Like environment is huge. Having social support, having energy around you, like that shit is real. So I'm going Mm -hmm. on a little bit of a rant right now, but that's a big thing with working with a coach is like one person can totally change your outlook and your approach to fitness from a mindset perspective. And um, I think one of the greatest things too, is like, you don't need to have a coach forever. Like I'm sure you, you with your clients, like one of your goals is probably to equip them with tools, with knowledge that they can then take into life if they move away or if they don't work with you anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then I think kind of expand on what you were saying about like the hype and stuff. So I had a client um, just compete at a local CrossFit comp and he was doing the clean ladder. And at the end of the clean ladder, it was in a corner. So you had people surrounding you and he goes up and he hits a new PR and like he gets done and he's like, he is so excited. And you could just see how excited he was like talking to him after um, the comp of getting ready for training again and wanting to be in that atmosphere. He's like, it was so awesome seeing everybody just faces screaming, like veins popping. Everybody was like, wanting me to hit that lift. And it was really cool to see him get so excited and for him to create buy-in with himself to train a little bit harder because that's the feeling he's going to chase now. Um, So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And you and Marlena crushed it at the comp too. I saw some highlights on Instagram. So shout out to you guys. Yeah, thank Um, you. But yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, not everybody loves the crazy, like, let's fucking go gym environment. Like I get that. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are intimidated by it because I mean, CrossFit and CrossFitters are intimidating. I won't lie. When I walked into the CrossFit gym for the first time, I was like, oh man, like, I feel like I'm a nobody compared to some of these people. They're so fit, Mm -hmm. but that's what it looks like from the outside. Nine times out of 10, when you walk into a community like that, like you're going to be welcomed with open arms. And a lot of people there started at the beginning. So I think Mm -hmm. that's so important too, is, you know, I, I know a lot of people who their idea of working out is going to, you know, their local gym Mm -hmm. and grabbing a couple of dumbbells and going in the corner where nobody can see them and doing their thing, which is fine. Everybody has a different perspective, but I think if people understand that like, CrossFit gyms or these bigger gyms or these more intense situations, like they want people like you to come. And like some of these big meaty looking guys are like the friendliest guys in the gym who were like, you know, so, so yeah. So I think that's just, that's something that I love to talk about is if people can just get over that hump of being intimidated and just try it, like jump Mm. into that thing that you're like, Oh, that's so cool. I wish I could do it. But I don't know if I would fit in like, man, the CrossFit gym definitely changed my perspective on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's getting in a good environment definitely changes your perspective. Cause then you get to walk into the gym and you're looking forward to walking into the gym and seeing like your buddies and then talking about like the workout or like even just catching up on just normal life. Like, because some of your gym friends become some of your best friends too, because you're there all the time, every day, that kind of thing. Yeah, 100%, you know, set yourself up for success and the environment that you're in, I think is a big part of that. And Mm -hmm. Adam, one more question I want to dive into here is 
talking kind of along the realm of staying consistent in the gym. Um, you know, we know that there are a lot of people who struggle with that. And I would just love to ask your thoughts on like, what advice would you give to somebody who maybe enjoys working out or knows that it's good for them, but just has trouble staying on track? Yeah. So, um, I got a cue from one of my friends who's a dietitian. Uh, her name is Lexi Sylvester. Um, and she said, give me 14 days. She uses that a lot with her nutrition clients. And I think it applies to fitness clients as well. Um, and saying, all right, give me 14 days, two weeks of just straight consistency. And I can guarantee that one, you will feel better about one yourself. And then two, your body is just going to feel better. You're going to have more energy and creating that buy-in there um, to kind of open the door to say, okay, if I'm really consistent, I'm going to see this, this, and this, if I keep going with it. And then kind of looking at it another way is like, I know like a lot of my clients, they're adults, they have full-time jobs, they have kids, they have lives and personal things that go on and everything. And I think the biggest thing is just kind of talking to them and asking them like, Hey man, like I see you haven't really been in the gym lately. Like what's been going on. And then they'll kind of like open up about what's going on. And maybe they're just so busy with work that they can't make it into the gym. And then I can be like, all right, man, like, that's okay. Like I can give you a home workout on these days and then you can come in on these two days and then we're back where we're at at four days a week. And they're like, oh, okay, sweet. Um, and so sometimes um, clients just don't even know that like, yeah, I'll write you a home workout. Like we can still get after it with light dumbbells and the pavement. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love both of those points. And especially that second one that like, at the end of the day, like we're all humans. And for some people, a small percentage of the population, fitness is like literally the number one priority. But for the majority of us, fitness is just a gateway to make everything else in life better and easier. So there's going to be seasons in life where fitness drops down a little bit. And I love that you aren't afraid to like talk about that with your clients because it's true. It's like you're on their side as a coach, you know, you want to meet yeah. them where they're at. And um, I mean, from a personal standpoint, I just moved as we're recording this and the last month has been crazy and fitness has fallen off for me and that's yeah. okay. But mm -hmm. that makes me even more excited to get back into my routine and, and set some new goals. And, um, I love that. So like, it's okay to have those periods of time where you're not feeling it or something else is going on, you know, like give yourself a little bit of grace. And when you're ready, get back into your routine and, you know, you'll feel even better coming out of that slump um, than you did before. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Um, Adam, this has been an awesome conversation. I'd love to kind of just wrap things up here with one yeah. final question that all my guests receive here on the podcast. Okay. Um, Goal Set Mindset podcast is centered around pursuing high achievement with passion, mm -hmm. perseverance, and performance. So I would love if you could share a personal goal that you have right now and how you're working towards it? Um, so I think definitely a goal right now is to um, pass boards um, and then graduate. Um, but I, I think that's just kind of been the general goal for the past three years. Um, but right now, I think more of a like specific goal that I've been working on um, is kind of get social media for me running. Um, so I created a YouTube channel um, a little bit ago it's called Billy Duke Physio. And I'm trying to put together all of my 
like specific mobility exercises that I give my clients and then like um, certain types of activation exercises. Um, and I br broke it down into playlists based on like body movement. So like T-spine rotation, external rotation, that kind of thing. And then um, making um, an Instagram profile for uh, Billy Duke physio. Um, so that's my next step in trying to get that going and catch some, catch some steam there. Nice. That's awesome. I'm excited to support you on there and check your things out. And um, that's honestly a pretty similar goal to what I have right now. I'm excited to get more into the content creation game and YouTube is huge. Like we talked about, we love to learn on YouTube and yeah. um, it's such an accessible platform. And I actually did something similar um, last year when I was programming for the field hockey team at Scranton. I was leaving, you know, for clinicals. I wasn't going to be in the weight room with them, but I still wrote their program. And I made YouTube playlist of all the exercises, just yeah. a quick, you know, two minute video talking through things. And it was such a fun experience for me. Um, and, you know, if five of them decide to watch the videos, great. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's cool. It's definitely where our profession's going. So I'm excited to support you on there. And I need to ask you, I don't know if this is something that I should know, but can you tell me where the name Billy Duke comes from? Because I've seen it all over your stuff. And yeah. I'm curious. Um, so my last name is Billy do. Um, and a lot of friends from back home called me Billy. Um, and then growing up, my grandpa called me Duke. Um, and my last name is Billy do and then Duke. So I was just like, let's throw it together. And there's Billy Duke. I like it. It's catchy. Okay, cool. Now I understand. Um, Adam, so much fun today. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I would love if you could share some ways that listeners could reach out to you, learn from you. Um, and I'll be sure to link everything in the description of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And then thank you again for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was fun, fun talking, uh, fun talking shop with another PT student coach. Well, not student anymore, DPT. Um, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, so you can reach me at Billy Duke on Instagram, Billy Duke Physio on YouTube. Um, and then if you have any questions or anything, you can reach out via DM. Um, and I'll be happy to help with anything that I can. Awesome. Yeah, Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Super excited to stay connected. And uh, good luck with the rest of PT school. You're going to absolutely crush it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good luck on the new job. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Adam and have a better understanding of how to set goals and stay consistent on your fitness journey. If you're enjoying the show, I would love if you left a rating on your favorite platform and subscribed so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will be back next week with another episode.